What is non-duality? The premise of non-duality is that reality is not two. It isn't you and reality. Reality is one. Non-duality seeks to answer two fundamental questions. The first is, where can we find lasting, on-demand peace and happiness? And the second, what is the nature of reality? Not how does reality work? For that we have the tools of science, empiricism, trial and error, excuse me, trial and error, experimentation, and so forth. Statistics, mathematics, measurement. All of that, all of those disciplines and perspectives and methodologies seek to ask the question or to answer the question, how does reality work? But what non-duality tries to get at is what reality is. And to answer that question, the fundamental tool we have at our disposal is our direct experience. And we can access our direct experience by divesting ourselves of the contents that appear within our consciousness. What I mean by this is at any moment you have thoughts, you have sensations, hearing, seeing, tasting, touching, smelling, and you have emotions which are a combination of thoughts blended together with sensations. Now, if we slowly begin to divest our conscious experience from these contents, the contents of thinking, the contents of sensing, through the different sense organs of the body, we can begin to get a glimpse 
of the second question of what reality is. And our direct experience is really the only tool at our disposal. And I would say it's the best tool we have. Because we can either create a model of reality through our belief systems, through our thinking, or we can inquire our direct experience and build a model of reality from there in order to answer this question. And this question, what is the nature of reality of, excuse me, what is the nature of reality is fundamentally and intricately tied to this first question that I posed, which is where can we find lasting on-demand peace and happiness? These questions can seem entirely differently from one another. But what I offer here is that they are actually more closely tied together and related than you might imagine. And this is where meditation has profound power. It can give us a glimpse of both, it can give us a glimpse of both of these questions. Most humans on the planet seek peace and happiness externally through their activities, through their relationships. And if you haven't noticed, most humans on the planet are unhappy. They function from a place of lack, constantly seeking. And that's because peace and happiness isn't found outside of yourself. It's, it's not found through objects, activities, and relationships. Objects, activities, and relationship can offer a glimpse of peace and happiness just like when clouds, when there's heavy fog or dense clouds in the sky, uh, and suddenly there's a glimpse of the blue spacious sky behind the clouds, that's in essence what objects, activities, and relationships offer in regards to peace and happiness. They can part the clouds temporarily. 
But the moment that the ego has been satisfied by the object, the activity, or the relationship, those forecast patterns, those cloud patterns, cover up the blue spacious sky, the blue spacious sky once again. And that is to say that peace and happiness isn't found outside of yourself. You have to look within. And to look within is to, in a sense, part the cloudy sky. It's not even that. It's, it's emphasizing the spacious sky that is your being, that is the presence that you are in your essence. We can call this, as Eckhart Tolle does, the essence identity, or the deep I. It's, these are all just words, these are all just labels for the same thing. But when you go beyond your personality in meditation, you emphasize the spacious sky rather than emphasizing the clouds. Like typically, as it, when we are living our lives, we are solely focused on the contents that appear within our experience. We're focused on a task at hand. We're focused on speaking to someone and so forth just we are engaged with objects activities and people in meditation that focus is divested or removed from the objects and the contents of experience and the emphasis goes to our being it goes to that which is experiencing. And so to put this in the context of the metaphor of the sky and the clouds, our attention goes from focusing on the cloud patterns to focusing on the blue, spacious, ever-present sky behind the cloud patterns. Let me give you another metaphor for this. When you open up your computer, your computer is likely populated by a number of different applications that you're using or were using before you opened it. It's populated by icons, by notifications, messages, whatever, so forth. And that's likely what you focus on when you open your computer. You focus on the task at hand, whatever it is that's calling for your attention. Well, meditation is what it's like to rest as the screen or the screensaver behind the icons, 
the messaging apps, the notifications of your computer. And meditation is simply putting emphasis on the ever-present screensaver that is behind all of the pop-ups, all of the icons, all of the apps that your computer is running. And the more we can abide, divest ourselves from giving attention to these objects and the content of, of experience to that which is experiencing itself to our being, the more the clouds begin to become transparent almost, the more this, the empty blue sky radiates behind them and the, the more easily these clouds depart. Sometimes they don't even depart, they just become less emphasized. And the qualities, when that happens, the qualities of our being begin to shine through. And those qualities are peace and happiness. There are different forms and ways to explore this understanding for yourself. One very simple form of inquiry you can ask yourself is, where am I between two thoughts? Where am I between two thoughts. If you haven't noticed, you likely have a running monologue that is describing and commenting on your experience. So as you walk down the street, if you see someone who looks a certain way or is wearing something that you think is odd or strange, your mind will comment on that. And this happens so often that we actually begin to live through a conceptual understanding. And we don't see what's in front of us clearly. And this is something that Friedrich Nietzsche commented on. He, he thought that, that Friedrich Nietzsche was an exemplar of literary brilliance. And he thought that 
fundamentally what helped him write so powerfully and beautifully was his ability to perceive. And this is also reflected in the wisdom of Krishnamurti, who says that the highest form of intelligence is perception without evaluation. So if we're able to perceive without evaluating, then the natural question arises, where are you between two thoughts? If you're no longer deriving your sense of identity from your thinking, or if you notice that there's, that you can create a gap in the stream of thought that runs through your mind and yet still exist, what does that mean in terms of where you derive your sense of identity from? Now, most of us derive our sense of identity from the stream of thoughts. The narrative we tell ourselves, the story we tell ourselves about our past, it's a historical narrative that if you, if you, I'm sure you've noticed that you have certain reactive patterns that play on and on as you go from relationship to relationship or if you go to different locations, certain thoughts naturally come up around those relationships and, and events or places that you go to. But where are you between two thoughts? If you're interested at all in understanding more deeply what the nature of reality is or where to find lasting, on-demand peace and happiness, my suggestion to you is to explore where you are or who you are between two thoughts. Thank you. Hope this helps.